for 17 years now this around this week it really depends on the weather uh, myself and my son and my oldest grandson and my brother have always went to Florida fishing um, it's my brother lives in North Carolina and so it's one of the few times I get to spend time with him or see him and um, He's in rather serious shape right now in a hospital in North Carolina. His abdominal cavity um, is full of infection. They're saying they've drained it and yet it's heavier than what can drain. And so they may have to go in and uh, take it out, whatever that means. I, I don't understand and I'm not a don't even pertain to but uh, please pray for him and uh, we uh, if you're not blessed this morning by being here I would say you probably ought to be at the altar um I don't say much about it because I don't like to call them out. Um, I don't want them to be embarrassed. But to see what God has done, Becky and Mary Ellen, through those folks from Bethesda that are here every week. And by the way, you all are a part of my family as much as these folks that's on this stage. And it just blesses my heart to see God working in your lives and helping you to overcome your challenge. Um, because we personally know uh, what you're going through. And I mean that. It's, it's, it's not like uh, we don't understand. We've, we've been through what you're going through. And we love you, and we want you to know that. And it, you're a blessing to us and, and a part of this church. Results of the resurrection if Christ had not been raised. Think about that question. The results of the resurrection while Jesus lay dead in the tomb. Darkness fell on the disciples. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Had the Lord remained dead, this church would not have been born or any other church. Christ's followers would have not been reinvigorated. The preaching of the gospel would have never been known. Christ would have been dishonored by men, uh, even disowned by God. Why hast thou forsaken me, his own claim? And disrobed of his claims as three days I'll rise again. The world would have no savior. 
And if no Savior, we'd have no coming King. And mankind would be left to utter destruction. One must ask, what are these extended results of the resurrection? Night has passed, redemption has drawn nigh, and as we stand by the empty tomb, one can see the hope of the sinner. Had that experience a few years back to, to sit and right outside the tomb, and there's nothing like that place because of the hope that it gives to those of us in need of a Savior. We can see the victory of the saint. We can see his return coming into view even now. And if Christ were still dead, we are of all men most miserable. With Christ risen, we are of all men most blessed. If we've put our faith and trust in Him. With Christ dead, our faith is vain. And we are dead in our sins. But with Christ risen, our faith is sure. And the victory of the saint is secure. With Christ dead, those fallen asleep in Jesus are perished. We'll never see our loved ones again. But with Christ risen, all saints are destined to rise. In this message, I want to look at the far-reaching results of which the resurrection of Christ brought upon those of us, the followers of Jesus. We know that Christ is risen because a new life, a new hope, And new love illuminates the pathways of those that put their faith and trust in Christ. A new power accompanies our message. New inspiration stirs our service in our hearts. And a new vision enhances our mission simply because of the resurrection. The effects of the resurrection did not cease with the passing of the early church. We are just as potent today as, we, as they were in their day and in the lives of the living followers in this age as they were in Christ's age. There are millions still faithful to the cause of evangelism around this world. Missionaries taking the message of salvation to the darkest regions of the earth. So what do these things mean? Peter explained there is a new joy in 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6a of that verse. He said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, and there's that word again, His mercy is more. According to His abundant mercy has begotten us again, to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power. Notice the word kept. 
by the power of God. Not by yourself, but by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last night. And in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. We know how the women were weeping at the tomb. We know how the two disciples went on their way to Emmaus, depressed in spirit and sad in heart, is the account. Yet when Christ met the women after his resurrection, Matthew 28, 9 says, He said unto them, All hail, all joy. There is a new joy among us. Rejoice. And it, and it states they left the tomb with great joy. <laughs> I could imagine that. Thinking that he was dead, entombed, and to go to find the stone rolled away. The joy that had to overtake them that morning. The early chapters in the book of Acts breathe a spirit of unbelievable joy as a result of the resurrection. It states they continued daily in one accord. Lordy, we have trouble getting folks here twice a week. And yet they continued daily, daily with this joy, with the spreading of this, this Savior, the gospel, and and it says they ate with gladness. Sounds like Baptist to me, you know. <laughs> Every time they get together, they're eating. <laughs> they, they ate with gladness, praising God, glorifying the Lord Jesus. This joy and rejoicing that gripped the early church was evidence of their faith in Christ. The belief in His resurrection, many of them had seen the risen Savior, they knew He was not dead, but risen indeed. There was joy in the face of, the per of persecution. The, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for His namesake. There's folks in Ukraine today counting it worthy to suffer for His namesake. There is many throughout the world that believe that this is a spiritual warfare of good versus evil because of the Orthodox Church that pulled out of Ukraine and went uh, away from the Russian Orthodox Church. And this is a fulfilling of end times that is taking place. They count it worthy to suffer for His namesake. Paul and Silas in prison had a prayer and praise service. Joy that comes over us simply for realizing that we have a risen Savior in our worst of times. Oh, the cushiness of today's church. <laughs> we run and hide when, and, you know, when, and pout even. I'm not going back there when someone looks at us cross-eyed. It's, it's, or, or things are just not the way we like it. And, and yet, all oh, the joy that should reverberate through the church because of the resurrected Savior. 
And not just around Easter, but every day in our lives, year in and year out. So the result was one of joy. People had joy because they knew the Savior was resurrected. And because He lives, we live. There's also a new message. (laughs) This one alone is enough to make me joyous. No more did anyone have to live under the works of the law. The resurrection brought about a new message. The Old Testament saints had looked down through the years and told of Christ's death and resurrection. Isaiah, Job, and others. Job even said, yet my flesh shall I see God. See for myself, my eyes will behold Him. David in the Psalms says, you will not leave my soul in hell. It's not just you die and there you... There you rot and are gone. You'll not leave my soul in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. David believed in a resurrected Savior. Based on Isaiah's testimony. Wow. Yes, the Old Testament prophets by faith saw Christ risen. And when the empty tomb became a glorious reality, you think about that. And the resurrection took on a new meaning and established a new message. We must note Peter, James, John, and Paul, they preached the cross, his death. But be sure they did not separate it from the resurrection. If they told he died for our sins... They emphasized He was raised from the dead for our justification. If they told over and over and over, Peter at Pentecost was quick and bold to say, by wicked hands. You think of this, He had just ascended. All these folks were gathered in Jerusalem And Peter preaches to them and says, By wicked hands you have crucified the Lord. But he followed up with whom? God has raised from the dead and loosed the pains of death. Wow, what boldness. What power it was with the apostle witnessed of the resurrected Christ. Should we today withhold our testimony of the empty tomb to once a year at a service? No. Would be to God, or God forbid, I guess is a better word. Let us sound forth loud and clear a message from pulpit and pew that to Christ is risen indeed. And because He lives, we live. There's a new message. There is also a new vision of death, one that we don't talk much about. The effect of the empty tomb that that carried to the hearts of the early saints a new vision concerning death. They knew not only that Christ was raised, but also that He had ascended and had a glorified body, and they knew that each of them in turn, if their bodies 
were laid away, that it would rise again also. Wow. We lose sight of that standing by the grave of our loved ones. We lose sight of that in death and loss. That not only did Christ rise, but we will rise and join our Lord again. The empty tomb bore witness to them that the dead in Christ would rise as it bears witness to us. I tell folks over and over, it seems like it's been once a week for the last two or three months, but I tell folks over, this is not where your loved one is. That's just their house that they lived in. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But one day, this house will reunite and rise from the dead and have a new body and a new life. Wow. The empty tomb told them so much that they would rise with glorified bodies and forever to be with the Lord. They finally got it. They didn't understand during the crucifixion. They didn't fully understand as he lay in the tomb. But once he rose, once he ascended, they understood the effects or the results of the resurrection The resurrection resulted in them losing their fear of death. They were willing to be martyred for their faith, as many of them were. They had seen His glorified body, the glory of God. They had looked upon Stephen, the death of Stephen inspired them all. The deacon that was stoned, they had seen his glorified body. They had watched what happened to Stephen, that he became, uh, uh, his face had become the face of an angel while being put to death. He too saw the glory of God, Jesus, standing on the right hand of God and testified of it as he died. Would to God we today would live under that same victory of of a wonderful vision of seeing a risen Savior. Life may be precious to us, but oh, what death exceeds that in glory. So Paul wrote, think of this, I am in a strait between two. having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And in their times you just think, oh, (laughs) it'd be better off just going home. I'm not talking suicidal thoughts. I'm talking about just for Christ to return, the trump to sound, him to come back on a white horse. Woo! Never did have a white horse. (laughs) I had an Appaloosa once. I had an uncle that had a white horse. It'd almost talk to you. He could make it kneel. It'd try to shake hands with you. (laughs) Coming back 
someday for us. But Paul said, I, I, I really don't want to die. I just, you know, I'd like for it all to be over with. That only brings to thought one mind. What about your loved ones? What about your friends, your family? What about those that are not going to heaven with you? How do we set that aside in our minds? I have trouble with it. I have trouble with us four and no more. I, my family's in. I'm good to go. Wow. I hope you have trouble with it also. I hope you struggle with the fact that your loved ones, your siblings, your, your children, your parents maybe, are lost and undone without Christ and His Son. And I hope you don't only just have trouble with it, I hope it troubles you to the point of praying for them, Amen. of caring about them, and talking to them without attacking them. You know, you, you, you can be crude in your witness or you can be loving in it. It's easy to say, you're going to hell when you die. But it's a whole lot harder to say, I'm going to miss you and you're going to suffer. Eternal damnation. And don't you believe the garbage of they'll ever have an opportunity to get out. When you die, you're going to spend eternity in, listen, eternity in one of two places. If you're sitting here today, we, we don't talk about hell much anymore. It's a reality. Christ preached as much about hell as he did about heaven. It's a reality. And if you're here this morning without Christ, if you're just hanging on to a church membership as, as that's what's going to get you there, or a water baptism, that's not what the Bible teaches. Even the simplest of verses, John 3.16, tells us that it's believing in a crucified, buried, rose again Savior. Your belief and your faith and your trust in Christ and His blood atonement is what saves you. And if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, why wouldn't you today? Last, there's a, a new hope. You think of it. As these disciples grasp the announcement of the angel... He is not here, for He is risen. They began by, by the way of the empty tomb to get a vision such as they had never known of the things to come. 
This new hope, this grave with the stone rolled away had a huge effect on these 12 individuals or 11 individuals at the time. The grave, the stone, the empty tomb, they knew the one crucified as king of the Jews. They knew now the testimony of the prophets that the babe in Bethlehem the child of a virgin, the Son of God, was to sit on the throne of David. They realized the empty tomb was fulfillment that they had heard of and learned about, been taught for years. The early church, even at Pentecost, lived under the inspiration of the empty tomb. The saints being admonished in Acts 1, why stand you here gazing up into the heavens? Think of that when the angel spoke. This same Jesus who is taken up from you into the heavens shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Folks, he's coming again. There's a new hope as a result of the resurrection This blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Lord, could come at any moment. And we can disagree as to what what the the chronological days are and how it's going to happen, an all-millennialist, a premillennialist, whether the rapture and the second coming are one and the same. We can have all those disagreements, but it doesn't change the fact that He's coming again. At any moment. And the more I read, the more I study, and the more I listen, it could be today. There's nothing left, according to scholars, that has to take place for him to return any moment and take his saints out. And for those of us that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, God have mercy on your souls if you're left behind. There's going to be seven and a half years or seven years of so much hell on earth that the Bible states that there will be blood as deep as the horse's bits in the valley of Armageddon. I was reading this week Dr. David Jeremiah, describing what's going to take place on earth. That ought to break your heart that your loved ones are going to see that or go through it. Our witness needs to be bold. The results of the resurrection should have the same results in our lives as it did on those early saints giving us the same joy, the same hope, the same vision, yet realizing we have a message to deliver that can change their lives eternally. Christ the crucified paid the price for our sins. I love what Megan said. I come to realize that I could be forgiven. 
That ought to make everybody in this room shout. Just start making a list of the things you've done that you know are sin in your life, and if forgiven doesn't make you shout, you've got a problem. (laughs) Mine's so long, I'm not going to tell you. And you wouldn't stick around to listen to it. Forgiven was their message. Think of that. While Peter preached at Pentecost to those that had literally been the ones that killed the Savior. I'll never forget going to the play, the drama, and seeing that soldier that had been there Realizing what forgiven was. The message that we have that Christ was crucified, paid the price for our sins, and we are forgiven and we live again because he was buried and rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave that we might have life and have it more abundantly. See, I don't think our life starts at death. I think our victorious life starts at moment of salvation. Because at that time, we become ambassadors of Christ. We become a living testimony to a risen Savior that lives within us. Wow, how that ought to make us believe. How that ought to make us motivated to be a witness for Christ. how it ought to motivate us to live a life pleasing. You're you're not going to be sinless. That's not what I'm talking about. If you think you're sinless, I'd have to ask you, are you a fool in any other area or just that one? (laughs) We're not sinless. But it ought to motivate us because of the resurrection to try to be. To live a life pleasing so that others can see Christ in us and want what we have. Victory. Let's stand.